Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this special edition of Collaborative Problem Solving at School. We are airing at a um, completely different day and time today so that we can fit in uh, a meeting with our folks at uh, Anytown High School, where uh, our goal for today is to walk our way through um, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems with a particular student, or at least uh, as we're talking about a particular student, so as to understand the student, get the right lenses on by completing the lagging skill section, and by... um, figuring out what it is exactly that we're going to be working on with the student. And, of course, we'll figure that out by um, filling out the unsolved problems section. So I'm going to make a few comments about the ALSUP before we start and bring the folks from Anytown High School on today. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping that um, the uh, my connection to the program holds up well. I'm uh, in a rather remote area of uh, Canada at the moment, where I'll be speaking today in Powell River, Canada, where um, a whole bunch of folks are coming from all over the place to um, uh, hear about collaborative problem solving. The only downside to that is that I'm connecting by cell, and um, uh, the cell coverage isn't spectacular. Hopefully, it's uh, good enough. We're not going to be taking any uh, phone calls from uh, other callers today. Today is going to be exclusively devoted to um, using the ALSIP and showing people how it's used, uh, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. If um, you're listening to the program, uh, you may want to download a copy of the ALSIP from the Lives in the Balance website. Just go to the paperwork section of the Lives in the Balance website, print out a copy of the ALSIP, which, of course, you're always free to do. And, in fact, the reality is every meeting where the ALSIP is being used uh, is intended to have a blank copy of the ALSIP in front of all of the participants because the goal here is to have a discussion. The ALSIP is a discussion guide, not a checklist, um, not a mechanism for comparing a kid to norms for the same age or grade or gender. Um, We're not going to get to know a kid um, very well and understand his difficulties and understand and identify what it is that we should be working on with him uh, through normative data. We're not going to understand him and figure out what we ought to be working with him on by um, comparing his scores to other kids of the same age or grade or gender, or by tabulating, or by counting checks. How are we going to get to know this student who we very badly want to help? We're going to get to know him by having a discussion. And the first part of our discussion will focus on the lagging skill section of the ALSIP. But here's another thing. As you'll hear, Even when you're focusing on lagging skills, there's an outstanding likelihood that you're also going to be focusing on unsolved problems. So the idea isn't to go through the ALSIP in a rote fashion, gathering just enough information to decide whether to check the item off or not and move on, or whether to what number to circle and move on. The goal of a discussion 
is to really understand this child, this student, through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And so we may go back and forth between the lagging skills section and the unsolved problem section. But the main point is people aren't coming to the meeting with their ALSA already completed because then that would impede the discussion that we're hoping to have. What we're trying to do here is bring people together, have a discussion, and achieve a consensus. What skills is this student lacking? What unsolved problems are reliably and predictably setting in motion this student's challenging episodes? What I'm going to do now is bring on uh, our wonderful folks from Anytown High School. Uh, Anytown High School, of course, in a completely undisclosed location, and we're using fake names for the people who work in the school and fake names for the students we'll be talking about. Welcome to the program, Anytown. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Um, this is actually turning out to be a rather exciting thing that we are able through your good graces to um, help other people hear what it sounds like and looks like and feels like to try to implement collaborative problem solving in a building is about as exciting as it gets for me. Um, but let's, let's begin. Do you all have any questions about what we're going to be doing today before we get going? No. no. no then let's turn our attention to the student uh, in your school who we're going to be talking about today. And of course, we're not going to use the student's real name. You can tell us his or her gender. Uh, I guess we'll figure that out as we go along. And then what we're going to do basically is start, um, maybe you can give us a basic description of um, the student, what concerns you have about the student in terms of how he or she is doing in your building, and then we'll turn our attention to the owl. So just give us a little bit of background information, not necessarily about the terrible things that have happened in his or her life or about his living circumstances, unless you think those are relevant, but mostly how the student is struggling in your building. The student is a female. Um, she um, <clears throat> is quite bright, um, but some of her difficulties relate to um, impulsivity. Um, she becomes easily distracted and quite agitated when things don't go her way. Um, <clears throat> she's a student who is intense emotionally, and so when she reacts, it can be explosive. <clears throat> she's a student who um, internalizes um, disappointments or failures, and so she will verbalize things like she's stupid and can't do things. Um, she's a student who at times, you know, seeks attention but not always in the most appropriate ways. Well, that was, uh, Mar that was Mar to that. Well, that was Marisol speaking. She's our, our social worker. This is uh, Wilfred, who's a school counselor. And I, I don't I don't that was a pretty good uh, description of it. What's happened during the course of the year, one change is that she used to make very, very regular uh, disruptive outbursts in the classrooms, um, which we tended to interpret as uh, seeking attention. Those have subsided a lot. The other thing I'd like to add is that she is ambitious. She wants to do well, and very often she does. <coughs> Anybody have anything else to add? Okay. So uh, usually in a meeting where we're going to be getting to know a student through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems, it's not tragic to give people two to five minutes to talk about what you all just talked about. I must say, having now heard that as an objective party who doesn't know this student at all, what are we going to be calling this student? Should we give her a name? Yes, we're going to refer to her as P. P as in the letter P? P, yeah, right. Yes, P as in Tom. Oh, T as in Tom. All right. So T, um, I'm, I'm hearing some things that I hear frequently about students who are struggling in a building. Um, yes, I understand that uh, some of her behaviors were interpreted as attention-seeking. I'm glad to hear that they've subsided. Um, 
as you all know, I'm unlikely to view the behaviors as attention-seeking. I am not completely clear on why they've subsided, and it sounds like we may not be clear on that. Um, I'm hearing about poor impulse control. I'm hearing about inattention and distractibility. I'm hearing about self-deprecating statements. And yet, what I'm mostly hearing about, this is not unusual, is what the student is doing that we don't like, the things the student is doing that we're concerned about. Now, we're going to spend the next, oh, 45 minutes or so figuring out why she's doing those things. Why is she doing those things? Well, a major part of why she's doing those things is lagging skills. When is she doing those things? Uh, in the abstract, she's doing those things when the demands being placed upon her outstrip the skills that she has to respond adaptively to those demands. But we're going to be much more specific than that. We're going to figure out precisely what unsolved problems set in motion, tease um, challenging episodes. Shall we start? Yes, yes. And I must say, I, I usually get much more excited about making our way through the ELSIP than many people, but I view kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges as sort of a mystery that needs to be unraveled. Um, and we're going to start unraveling. Um, and I'm always fascinated by who these kids turn out to be, what's been getting in their way, and um, let's do that now. So what we'll do is start at the beginning of the ELSIP, and you know these are not the, the lagging skills are not listed in a particular order, but let's begin. Um, I'm going to be guiding the meeting just to help people have a sense about what the meeting should look like. Now, ultimately, the goal, of course, is for you all to be doing all of this on your own. We're just doing today for practice. Um, does T have difficulty handling transitions or shifting from one mindset or task to another? Uh, no, no, I would, no, say, I would no. say not. No. Not especially. Good. Um, does T have difficulty doing things, completing tasks, uh, in a logical sequence or prescribed order? No. No. Okay. Does T have difficulty persisting on challenging or tedious tasks? Yeah. Sometimes a little bit, but she, she likes to finish. This is Zena, the science teacher. She likes to make sure she finishes her assignment. But at the same time, if something is giving her difficulty, she will sometimes give up that portion or ask if she can finish it at a later time. Got it. So let's hear a little bit more. And this is exactly, here, here's the difference between just completing the ELSIP in a rote, perfunctory fashion and really using the ELSIP as an information-gathering discussion guide. So now let, we're not going to move on from that item just because it sounds like we have sort of we've we've got a little bit of a signal on it. We're not going to just check it off and move on. Or you know maybe if I was using the Likert scale version of the ELSIP, I might circle a one or a two based on what you just said. But my goal isn't to just check. My goal isn't to circle a number. My goal is to understand what kinds of tasks do you all see her having difficulty persisting on. Um. Hi, this is the uh, case manager, Tim. Um, one difficulty is uh, if she doesn't have a relationship with a teacher, she uh, backlashes and, uh, with with words that uh, is meant to hurt. But uh, she, if she doesn't feel like she can trust you or she can talk to you, she will storm off the class without having any permission or anything else. So let me ask this. Is that specific to difficulty persisting on challenging or tedious tasks, or is that more in general? Which would be fine. We're looking to gather information here, and we're not going to be super rigid about making sure that any of your comments are related to the item that we're talking about. This is an information gathering guide. Um, so it sounds like if she doesn't have a relationship with her teachers, um, there's an excellent chance that she will storm out. My question is, is that something that would likely flow from 
difficulty persisting on challenging or tedious tasks, or is that something we're going to hear about with regard to perhaps other items on the ALSIP, and we'll find out about that. So that's what I guess I'm asking. Is, is storming out something that is specific to difficulty persisting on challenging or tedious tasks? This is Zena again. I think for T, building that initial relationship sort of is a challenging task, and that could be related to why her poor behaviors at the beginning of the year have subsided somewhat because she's had a chance to build more positive relationships, but it's taken her a while and it's taken mm -hmm. her some explosive blowouts. So it's crystal clear that T needs relationships, and it sounds like T needs to feel comfortable with people, and that's something that's going to help her stay regulated when life gets difficult. Fair to say? Yes. Yes. But but and and so I think that we're going to be hearing more about that on some of the other items on the ALSIP. I guess my question is, are there any tasks that we're able to identify besides building relationships with people? <laughs> I think we're talking more here about academic tasks or, you know, at home this might be chores. A any specific tasks that you all feel, perhaps academic assignments, that you all feel she has clear difficulty persisting on. Uh, Tim, the case manager here, this, this again is Wilfred, the school counselor. Tim just uh, had mentioned on a side here that uh, he noticed that if she's working with a computer and she's having difficulty making the program uh, work uh, um, fluidly for her, that um, she gets frustrated with right? Right, Tim, and just uh, throws in a towel. Is that correct, Tim? Yes, correct. So if a, I just, we, we, we got proof that you all are actually sitting in a real school right there, so you were breaking <laughs> out. Um, but um, if she, if I heard you correctly, if a computer program is giving her difficulty, that's something that she might have difficulty persisting on? Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not accurate. Any others? Uh, yes, this is Rob. Her English teacher is. Um, I also noticed that sometimes when we have more complicated reading assignments, if she's not in the zone that day, or she's having difficulty with her peers in that classroom, or suffers an inability to focus, that she will become agitated, you know, and she will you know either shut down or um, uh, when she was when we had the uh, women's uh, swimming season, because she is a swimmer is um, she would request to be able to go to, you know, the pool to be able to kind of settle down and, you know, to refocus herself. Got it. So here's the uh, thing. I, would, I just want to – oh, go ahead. I would – I was going to say something along those lines, too. When she has to take information out of a reading assignment, she's constantly checking in, is this, is this good, is this good, is this a good response? And those are the assignments for me where she'll do one or two sections where she takes information from reading and then she kind of needs to take a break. Like it's taken her a long time and she's struggled deciding what is important information. Very interesting. Here's, here's the interesting thing, just, just to make the point. Even though we're in the lagging skill section of the ALSIP, I've just heard about three potential unsolved problems for T. I'm hearing that some computer programs and making her way through them if they're not sort of cooperating with her, uh, or as computer programs are sometimes apt to do, that could be a source of frustration for her. If you're hearing trucks in the background, it's because, as I might have mentioned, I'm right next to a paper mill, which is fascinating, but just a little noisy. Uh, I'm hearing that complicated reading assignments might be an unsolved problem, something that she might have difficulty with. And I'm hearing that understanding what she's read is a potential unsolved problem as well. So the point I'm making is we're not being rigid about staying in the lagging skill section. When we hear about a lagging skill, we want to know in more specific terms when that lagging skill seems to be presenting a problem for this student. And another thing that we want to know is to what degree that lagging skill is likely to set in motion T's challenging episodes, because some kids might have a lagging skill, but it might really not be setting the stage for any of their 
significantly challenging behaviors, in which case we're still very interested in lagging skill, but the lagging skill may have diminished slightly in importance just because it's not really setting in motion the behaviors that we're most concerned about. Um, so let me ask this. To what degree, just along those lines, and then we probably will move on, to what degree is T's difficulty persisting on challenging or tedious tasks? To what degree does that set in motion some of the challenging episodes that we are looking to prevent or try to keep from happening in T? I think it depends. I yeah, mean, it's, it's situational. Yeah, I think it's, I think for her it's it's somewhat situational because she's you know been in situations where she's been asked where I've witnessed you know in in Rob's classroom in English to do something that you know from our perspective it, it seems like she's capable and has the tools and the skills and yet and, and also is a is a reasonable request where she absolutely deteriorates, and it happens very quickly. But then there are other times where you might think she might react that way, and yet she doesn't. And so it's, I think it's situational for her. Well, and here's the thing, that it's situational in the collaborative problem-solving territories is a given. Our challenge is to really get a good handle on the specific aspects of the assignments that seem to be throwing her for a loop uh, and the specific aspects of the assignments that don't be throwing that aren't throwing her for a loop and sometimes that's rather nuanced and it's something that we sometimes have to pay much closer attention to but I will say this if you asked me what is the most common scenario where a student is exhibiting challenging behavior in school, the most common thing that I hear is that they are balking at an assignment that the people who gave the assignment thought they were perfectly capable of doing. That's the, that's the typical scenario. And so we're going we, to have to try to give some more thought. We can do this when we get to the unsolved problem section. But we're going to want to give some significant thought to when exactly, what, what are the specific aspects of the assignments that T is balking at, even though we think those assignments are in the doable range for her? That's huge. Yes? Yes. Yeah. 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 And once again, this is something that I hear frequently we believe that the student is capable of doing the assignment, but they balked anyways. Wow. Whenever T is balking, there is lots of information to be had there. And here's the deal. First of all, we'll find out when we do that. Is there some specific aspect of the assignment, or is there something else going on that we don't know anything about at the moment, and it really isn't related to the assignment? Our goal, though, is to figure that out. So I'm going to leave that item, if it's okay with you all, and move on a little bit. Um, does T have a poor sense of time? No, no I don't no, think so, no. no. All right. Does T have difficulty reflecting on multiple thoughts or ideas simultaneously? Now, that's, that's a confusing item. That's my attempt to take a executive skill called... Um, working memory and try to translate it um, and you know working memory is not so easily translated um, but when you all are working with does it ever appear that he is having difficulty um, You lost me for a second, didn't you? We <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, does T seem to have difficulty thinking about many things at once, holding multiple thoughts on, in, in her brain at the same time? Um, 
it's sort of a hard item to understand. It's one I've actually occasionally considered removing from the ALSA. But, but, but I guess it's the, it's the thinking, having an idea in her head, simultaneously writing it down, simultaneously listening to a teacher, um, sort of like a computer, as mine is doing right now, running uh, Microsoft Word because I have the ALSA up in front of me, running the computer program that is involved in Blog Talk Radio, um, I probably have my schedule in front of me, running my wireless, multiple things at once. Uh, I don't know if that's clear or not, but does T seem to have any difficulty doing that? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So give me some sense about what that might look like, even though I probably didn't do a very good job of describing the item. I would what, say when you enough. all heard me describing that, what were you envisioning T doing? In her, I'm her math teacher, and in the math classroom, she would have just, um, for example, for copying down a problem from the board and listening to the teacher explain it at the same time, she's not able to do both simultaneously. So she would need to copy it down first and then listen to the explanation. And if she doesn't get it, she will go as far as to go up in front of the classroom with the teacher and stand there and you know, try to point exactly where she doesn't understand. And um, so doing things simultaneously is definitely one of her uh, lagging skills. Very interesting. Any other examples? Yeah, this is Rob, uh, her English teacher. Um, what I find is that um, a lot of times it's when we're in the note-taking phase is, and she'll, she'll have a packet in front of her, is she'll copy down the notes, and then there'll be you know, the, the part where... Um, you know, we talk about it, and I find sometimes that she'll tend to work ahead. So rather than engaging in actually the discussion that reinforces what she just wrote down, is she's sometimes racing ahead, you know, to complete other parts of it. So she's missing that part. So she's trying to finish her assignment, but at the same time, is her um, her gun ho attitude about that sometimes gets in the way of her, you know, um, actually like taking it all in and being able to process you know what the different parts of what we talk about. Very interesting. Any others? To what degree does what we're now talking about, her having to perform multiple cognitive functions simultaneously, is that likely to set in motion her challenging episodes? It's, it's one thing that they're there, and that's a very good thing to know about. Truth is, we've just identified some more unsolved problems. As you're seeing, we might actually have the unsolved problems section filled out before we even get there just by hearing about the uh, exact specific situations in which a child is lacking skills. But to what degree is her difficulty performing multiple cognitive tasks simultaneously likely to set in motion her challenging episodes? Um, well, I would say if, if a teacher doesn't in the math sense that the teacher doesn't permit her to walk up in front of the room when she doesn't understand something, then that will set her off and have an explosive uh, response. Got it. Very interesting, because what I'm hearing, we began by talking in general terms about what T looks like, what things she's doing that we are concerned about. But I'm now hearing about a lot of unsolved problems. And the good thing is, T is seeking out help when she bumps into an unsolved problem. But it's actually also starting to make sense to me now why, if T doesn't have a relationship with her teacher, she would actually run into trouble. Because T, what I'm hearing is T is actually needing, bright as she might be, motivated as she might be, driven as she might be, there's actually many things going on in a school classroom that are very difficult for T and that she's often seeking out help for. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep going. Difficulty now this one I know we're we're gonna this one I know is going to be endorsed just because <laughs> we've we've heard about it already, but difficulty maintaining focus. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, so now, but now let's get more specific. What kinds, are we able, are there things that T is not having difficulty focusing on? 
And are there things that T is especially having difficulty focusing on? This is the science teacher. When T understands the topic and if she's been able to get assistance from the teacher immediately at the point that she wanted it, she actually would be the flip side of this where she is focused so strongly on the task that she will go around helping other kids. If she knows it, then she's like the complete opposite where she's totally focused. But if she didn't get that initial help or if someone couldn't explain something to her right when she needed it, she flips the switch and starts, you know, I'm stupid, I don't get this, and her mind just wanders to 60 million other things. Yeah, I agree with Zita on that. It's like when she's in that I can phase, it's like she's very productive, and but as soon as she wanders into the I can't territory, you know, that's when, you know, some of these episodes, you know, I'm not saying that they always happen, but, you know, that's when they're most likely to occur. Very interesting. Um, so I'm hearing about times when she can actually be quite focused. And, and the, the interesting piece is that makes it, uh, as, as with a lot of kids who, who I hear described as having difficulty focusing, I'm not completely clear at the moment on whether focusing overlaps perfectly with understanding. Uh, what I'm hearing is that if T understands an assignment, she's not only focused, she's very focused and actually very helpful to her classmates, and that if she doesn't understand an assignment, she needs help delivered immediately because she gets rather agitated rather quickly if she doesn't understand something. Um, and then she would, I presume, look rather unfocused. But I guess now what I'm beginning to question is, let's, let's, I'm wondering if we can set, separate understanding and focusing. Because I'm hearing that there's some overlap there. Is it possible for us to separate understanding and focusing? Are there times when we are, and, and I'm going to say this with some trepidation, when we're 100% certain that T understands the material and is not focused? Yes. Yes. So there are times when she is unfocused even though we believe she understands. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to um, state that just one more way, just to be sure. Um, focus and understanding do not overlap perfectly. Um, there are times when focus is the is the issue. Yes? That's, I that's think that's, that's accurate. That's what you guys are saying, yeah. And there's one thing that really hasn't been mentioned here. I don't know how pertinent it is. Again, this is the school counselor. She's been complaining to me almost daily about being distracted by certain other young ladies in her in her group that she travels with. This is a team, and so these same students travel from class to class to class. And she's been saying, I want to get out of this group because these other girls distract me there. And these other girls are very distracting types of, of students. Um, there's no doubt about that. She complains about that, that this, is, this gets her off task, and so she wants out of there. Our problem with that is this is probably the sharpest group, and we're re reluctant to move her out of that class. So we've been talking wow. about maybe moving the other disturbing kids out or one or two of them. So this is very interesting because um, now I'm going to ask the question another way. Do we ever see T unfocused even when she understands and separate from the fact that the girls in her class are distracting? Right, you mean you should get unfocused when she does understand and she's not being distracted by other girls. That's correct. Yeah. In other words, is T only looking unfocused when the girls are distracting her and when she doesn't understand? Yes, she yes. she only looks unfocused when she's engaging in social interactions as opposed to her academic work. Very interesting. Very interesting. But I think we've just identified another unsolved problem. 
and that is that she's distracted by some of the girls in her class. And we've identified another unsolved problem, although we knew this one a little bit already back when we were talking about persisting on tedious or challenging tasks. We know that T, if she doesn't understand something, um, is going to have trouble. I'm still um, very intent on figuring out what it is that the specific aspects of assignments that she's having trouble understanding, but let's move on. Difficulty considering the likely outcomes or consequences of her actions. You all described her. The first word we heard about T is that she's impulsive. Now let's hear a little bit more about that one and find out if we really think that one is still spot on. What do you think? Um. Can you restate the question, please? Sure. Do are we? Tell me. At the very early in our discussion here, I heard that T is very impulsive. That's the next item on the ALSA. Let's hear what that looks like, if that's true. I would say when she when she is frustrated, she'll um, her language is very inappropriate, and she's cursing at the teacher. And then a period or two later. She will come back and say that she's sorry or that perhaps she didn't mean it at at the time. She just didn't know what else to do. Um, So she's not really realizing that cursing. and She thinks about it afterwards that that shit wasn't a good idea to do. Okay. Any other examples? Yeah, I would agree with that, too, because sometimes in some of her episodes where she just storms out of the classroom, that's a very, it's like something doesn't go her way, and there have been instances when we don't meet her needs exactly when she needs that need to be met, is then it's a quick shutdown, and it's out she goes. One one prime example is just the other day, she walked right out of my classroom, so I opened the door, I'm like, where are you going? She goes, I told you I'm going to get water. I said, you didn't ask for a pass. And she goes, yes, I did, but you didn't give me one. And it was within those two seconds of me not hearing her that she decided she needed to be out there getting water. Got it. So, so interestingly, um, uh, that what, what I just heard about the water aside, it sounds like a meaningful percentage of what we are calling impulsiveness occurs when T is frustrated. Well, Bear? Is a, one one other thing in the water instance, sorry, I had to take a drink, yeah. I'm kind of sick. But um, after that, I let her know that she would have to serve a detention, and she blew up at me and did the whole swearing episode. Got it. So that's another example of her being frustrated, yes? Yeah. So just to throw that in there, she had that. There's another so example. Of, sorry, go ahead. Here's another example. I was not there, but I heard that uh, a fellow student was being reprimanded for eating in the classroom, was told to leave, and a T just took off uh, you know, with her and uh, went to complain to somebody else in the building about the teacher being disrespectful to the students. And then she went back to her math teacher and uh, apologized a bit later. Very interesting. Um, what I'm hearing is that a meaningful percentage of T's impulsive acts occur in the midst of frustration. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Good to know. Let's move on. Does T have difficulty considering a range of solutions to a problem? Probably, I would say. Well, um, I'm talking about, well, that's an interesting item because it could refer to the heat of the moment when when I would say that T is definitely having difficulty considering a range of solutions to a problem given what we've heard about her. When T is not upset, not frustrated, is she able to generate a variety of solutions to a given problem? Probably. Well, I would say it depends on the situation. Going back to the um, example with the eating in the classroom, even afterwards when she came back to talk about it, 
she still defended that she was hungry, so it was okay that she mm -hmm. eats in the classroom. She Even though that's clearly against the school policy to eat in classrooms, but mm -hmm. she would continuously say, well, I was hungry. Got it. We're hungry. If we look at a different type of problem in science class, we did an activity where we were trying to see how we could arrange strips of papers in different orientations, and she you know, orchestrated with her partner and with the group next to her, like, six to eight different designs they could use before they decided on a final design. So wow. she was creative in that aspect. So this might be an example of under, when in response to some types of problems, T is actually quite skilled at generating different solutions, and in response to others, and once again, we'd have to think about the degree to which T has trouble generating solutions only when she's frustrated. Um, but it certainly sounds like that's one that she's having difficulties with. But it, it is a good example of one that is very situational, and, and we'd want to pay much closer attention to when it that is difficult for her and when it isn't, information that we may not have right at this moment. I think just in the interest of time and, and not in keeping with my usual approach to the ALSIP, let's move on a little, though. Does T have difficulty expressing her concerns, needs, or thoughts in words? In other words, does T have trouble letting us know what's, what's going on in her head in words? Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe trouble. So I, heard, I heard no and yes. Yeah. Maybe appropriate with, with how she expresses it, but she certainly communicates what she wants to communicate. Mm -hmm. So you never get the feeling that T is having difficulty uh, articulating something that she's trying to say? No. I've never encountered that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get the feeling oh. that T is having difficulty understanding what other people are saying? I think in the heat of the moment, yes, you know, but I think when the situation calms down, I think that she's definitely more understanding you know, of that, but I think okay. when, when, break, when that meltdown occurs, I don't think there's any understanding happening in that she moment. Lost her rationality. Right. See, I mean, um, this is Marisol, the social worker. Like, from my perspective, though, I think oftentimes she understands what's being said. I just think that if she doesn't like it, like, if at that moment she feels that she has a need and what's being said is stopping her need from being met, then she absolutely has a difficult time understanding what's being said, if that makes sense. Well, I'm certainly hearing that if, and I think we're going to get to this in a later item, but I'm certainly hearing that if T is hearing something that is contrary to what she thought she was going to hear, contrary to what she hoped to hear, um, contrary to the way things thought th she thought things would go, that's hard for her. Mm -hmm. The fact that she's reacting emotionally to it may tell us that she actually does understand what's being said. Mm -hmm. I suppose it's also possible, and Marisol, you'll have to let us know if this is what you mean, that when she's upset, we may actually be saying things to her She's not really hearing because she's not in a place that would permit her to actually hear it. Yes, that's that's possible. Yes. This and one I know. Go ahead, sorry. Perhaps she's not at that place because because when she gets emotional it happens rather quickly. I I almost think that that impedes her ability to maintain you know, rational thinking. And so it's right. sort of she gets blocked. Well, and by, by coincidence, the next item on the ALSTEP is difficulty maintain, managing emotional response to frustration so as to think rationally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. And um, it sounds like she has that one shining brightly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's the interesting thing, though. and that, I mean, that's a skill. And it's a skill that T seems to be lacking. But Marisol, here's the interesting thing. You said that it happens quickly. Here's, here's the fascinating part. What I've been listening to for the last 30 to 35 minutes is a lot of examples 
unsolved problems that Mar- that um, T is reacting to. And the good news is the fact that I'm hearing about them makes them predictable, mm-hmm. not not surprising. So here's the deal with T that I'm hearing. If an unsolved problem remains unsolved, then T will continue reacting to it in a way that looks like she's going from zero to 60 in a nanosecond. And yes, it sounds like when uh, T is faced with a problem that still is unsolved, um, yes, it happens rather quickly. But here's the good news. Because it's predictable, we can start keeping it from happening quickly by solving it proactively. Everything you all are telling me about right now is predictable. If anything's predictable, it can be handled proactively. And then here's the cool part. We're going to be teaching T the skills that she needs. We're going to be solving the problems that are causing her to look like she's going from zero to 60 in a nanosecond. And then hopefully maybe by June, we're not going to be saying she goes from zero to 60 in a nanosecond anymore because the problems that were causing that to happen are now solved. And along the way, T picked up a lot of skills for how to solve them. Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole, if there's magic to collaborative problem solving, it's taking the things that seem to be zero to 60 and transforming them into not zero to 60 because mm-hmm. everything we're talking about right now is highly predictable. Mm-hmm. Now, I should give fair warning to you all. We may not, and this is not unusual, we may not finish the ALSIP in this meeting. But I am ecstatic about the amount of information we're gathering, and then we'll just have to decide if you all are going to finish it on your own, or in other words, as part of this, uh, not as part of this program, or whether we want to simply finish it in our next program, but we can decide that at the end. Let's keep going. Uh, here's an item, the next one. To what degree do you all see... Uh, T as chronically irritable and anxious. I I would say we don't. I mean, she doesn't appear to be anxious. She doesn't appear to be irritable. I I would say that we don't see that, especially when you look at the word chronic. that, That is not applicable to her. So you wouldn't describe her as cranky, grouchy, grumpy, irritable, or nervous, worried, scared, anxious? No. No. To what degree, and this is I think this could be a very interesting section. To what degree do you all think that T has difficulty quote unquote seeing the grays? To what degree do you see her as a concrete literal black and white thinker? She gets an idea in her head, it would take an earthquake to shake it loose. I think I could agree with that. Can I can I get some examples? How and, and Princess, I just merged us slightly into an item that is a little further down. Difficulty shifting from original idea, plan, or solution, but uh, a lot of these items here do overlap with each other. Any examples of her? being a very concrete, literal, black-and-white thinker who gets an idea in her head and it's very hard to shake it loose? Well, I, you know, I, I could say that the example that Zena gave earlier with regards to her being thirsty and, you know, leaving the classroom, um, you know, in her mind, you know, she was thirsty. She said, I need a pass. The teacher didn't hear, didn't respond quickly enough, and so she was justified to get up leave the classroom, and go meet her need, get a drink. And, of course, we don't know if that's an example of, and it doesn't really matter, we're trying to get to know her, if that's an example of her getting an idea in her head and just following through on it no matter what, or if that's poor impulse control where she wasn't even thinking, she was just reacting. Any thoughts about that? This is Marcus, assistant principal, when she, she was referred to me for eating in class, didn't see the reason that the teacher 
had written her up because she wasn't bothering anybody. Didn't matter whether or not it was against the rules. And then um, when she was assigned to punishment, made it clear that she had no intentions of of serving it and used some profanity and, and sort of stormed out the office. Came back two or three periods later to apologize for having done it, but still refused any type of punishment because she didn't feel there was anything wrong with it. It didn't matter what the rules were. She didn't bother anybody by eating in class. The teacher overreacted and she couldn't understand why she was written up, nor could she understand how I, I could even think about punishing her for, for having broken a rule. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're, we're going to, of course, be talking about the punishment part of what you all are doing in later programs. I can assure mm-hmm. you of that. But But what mm-hmm. do we make of the fact that T... Do we? Was she angry that she'd been punished? Was she mad that she'd been punished? Or did it really make no sense to her that what she had done was wrong? That That's the core of the question. She, she didn't see any problem with what she had done. So everything else was absolutely ridiculous. That and did she give you any... Been so it seems like she has her own sense of, of right and wrong, and regardless of what the rules are, she goes by her own her own code, and that's mm-hmm. what's more important to her than than complying with the uh, rules that someone else sets. If it doesn't conform with her her expectations or her her view of the world, then don't bother her with it. Right. Very when interesting. She, Go ahead. When she stormed out of the science room, I let her know that she would have to serve a 10-minute detention. And from that point on, the rest of the day, she refused to do any work for me. She told me I was an awful teacher <laughs> and assorted other profanities. But later on that day, she showed up for her detention, and she sat there and did it. Huh. So, so here, what, I mean, I'm getting a real strong signal that T becomes very emotional in the heat of the moment. But then when rationality is restored, she's um, pretty rational. But here, let me ask this. Once rationality has been restored, did she understand why going to get a drink without permission was not okay? Once she wasn't upset about being punished anymore, uh, once she wasn't mad at the teacher anymore for writing her up, did she understand why that was a problem? She maintained that she had asked for a drink, so she was permitted to go. I think the reason she stayed was because when she finally went to get her water, she was upset with me and stayed in the hallway longer than it would take to get a drink of water. I'm not sure if that came across right, well, what, but I think well, she was sort of self-inflicting the attention for staying out longer than she should have and not for going to get the water. Why? Did, what was she upset with you about if you hadn't written her up yet? That I gave her a detention for walking out. So she goes to get the drink of water without your permission, but she thinks she did ask. Does she have the detention yet? Well, as soon as she walked out the door, I followed her. So prior to her actually getting her water, I leaned out the door and said, you can't uh, just walk out. You have to stay out of school. That's detention. So she, she, she goes and gets the drink, hears that she's getting a detention, and then stays in the hallway longer because she's upset that she got a detention. Yeah. Then comes back, refuses to work, but later comes and serves the detention, still insisting that it was okay for her to get water. Very interesting. You know, here's the interesting thing. I can't help but make this point, and, and we're definitely not going to complete the else up today. I'm learning so much about T. She's starting to make so much sense to me in ways that simply describing the things that she's doing that we don't like don't help me understand. T is lacking quite a few skills. I'm also very glad to hear that there's lots of skills that she's not lacking. But one of the things I am hearing is that when we apply adult-imposed punishments, that is likely, as is the case with almost any kid that I work with, to escalate her further. Now, But here's the interesting thing, and, and this is, of course, 
the thing for all schools to ponder. Number one, are, most importantly, uh, well, number one, we've established adult-imposed consequences escalate her, cause her to look worse. And now the really big question, are those adult-imposed consequences fixing any of the things we are now learning that are getting in the way for tea? And um, I have a biased answer to that, but maybe it's not so biased. My my answer is no. Adult-imposed consequences aren't fixing the things that I'm hearing about now. Um, um, they're not going to... Adult-imposed <clears throat> consequences are not helping her manage her emotional response to frustration so as to think rationally. Uh, uh, Adult-imposed consequences are not helping her consider a range of solutions to a problem. Uh, Adult-imposed consequences are not helping her consider the likely outcomes or consequences of her actions. They're not helping her maintain focus. They're not helping her understand assignments that she doesn't understand and then gets upset about. Um, They're not helping her persist on challenging or tedious tasks. So this is always my dilemma. I find that the adult-imposed consequences are escalating these kids, but they're not fixing any of the things we're learning are getting in their way. I just can't help but making that point because I think that that propels us into thinking about whether those adult-imposed consequences actually have value in helping teach. I know I know that they're part of our discipline policy. The big question is, are they helping? Let's do let's do a few more items, and we're going to have to call it a day because I, I made this a special one-hour program, but we're about to run out of time. So let's let's see if we can get through a few more. Does T have difficulty deviating from rules or routine? And this would be the type of kid who says, you can't do it that way because that's not the way it's supposed to be done. That's not what the rules say. That kind of a kid. See that kind of a kid? No, that's not her. No. Here's one. This, This could be an interesting one. And this might be our last one for today. We'll see. Difficulty handling unpredictability, ambiguity, uncertainty, or novelty. Novelty meaning T has trouble handling something if it's new and she's never done it before. Uncertainty, ambiguity, or unpredictability is when we say to her, um, um, we don't know when we're doing this today. We just know that we're going to be doing it at some point. Um, Maybe this will happen See that kind of a kid? No. No, I don't think so. Okay. We have time for one more. Does T have difficulty? I'm going to read the item exactly, but then we'll talk about it a little. Taking into account situational factors that would suggest the need to adjust a plan of action. In other words, there's ways to act in one situation that would be completely inappropriate in another situation. Um, Is T having difficulty? Is T behaving in a way that would be appropriate in one circumstance and inappropriate in another. She seemed to not be taking into account, uh uh-oh, the class is quiet now, Um, uh uh-oh, this would probably not be a good time to crack a joke, things like that. I mean, mean, I've seen situations where, I mean, she's done that, you know, where she's goes outside of what is sort of happening in the classroom. Um, you know, I, I've observed her in English where, you know, the expectation is that everybody is um, working on something and, and perhaps she's doing something else. But I don't know if I would categorize it as, you know, shifting all the time. Okay. But she does come up with, I'm stupid. She comes up with what? I'm stupid. Got it. We're going to get to that one when we get to the next item. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. I just want to make the following statement. I've already made it. I now know T, and I hope you all are feeling the same way. Maybe not. I'll have to hear about it next time. I now know T a lot better than I did before we started thinking about lagging skill and unsolved problems. T has 
lots of unsolved problems, and we can be solving them proactively. She has lots of lagging skills, and they really help me understand why T is struggling in the situations in which she's struggling. But because we're out of time, I want to thank our great folks from Anytown High School for participating in today's program. You guys are fantastic um, and really gracious about doing this. I will be in touch with you, and we'll figure out what we're going to do on our next program, but thank you for participating in today's program. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. I hope you found our use of the ALSIP to be helpful, and I can't wait to talk with our folks from Anytown High School next time. We'll get back to you next time with our next edition of Collaborative Problem Problem Mr. Take care. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.